Now, I hope you know Rebel Radio is supported by Audible. Love them for that. You know, if you talk to most people about living in L.A., they'll say the worst thing about it is the traffic. You know, me, I really don't mind the traffic because I use it as my listening time. I listen to books on Audible, and um, it's really changed my, my career, my whole reading, uh, all of that. There's an unbeatable selection of books on Audible. I listen to fiction, a lot of mysteries, business books, personal growth, biographies. I just finished a great book called Let's Go Crazy, Prince and the Making of Purple Rain, written by Alan Light. If you're a Prince fan, you got to get into that one. I'm about to start on The Drop by Dennis Lehane, which which looks cool. I mean, I go through like a book a week, something something crazy like that, because I use my time in the car, in the gym, on the bike. Whenever I'm on a conference call ignoring everybody, I'm listening to Audible. Go to Audible and get a free audiobook uh, with a 30-day trial, audible.com slash rebel. That's a special code only for fans of Rebel Radio. Because we love you, we hook you up. audible.com slash rebel. My name is Brent Bushnell, and so excited to be here on Rebel Radio. I'm the CEO and co-founder of 2-Bit Circus. Fuck you, Josh. <laughs> That's awesome. What's up? This is Rebel Radio. What up, what up? This is DJ Newmark. This is Peanut Butter Wolf. It's your boy. It's okay. Keep checking out Rebel Radio. Rebel Radio. This is Rebel Radio. We're in the place right here. Uh-huh. Rebel Radio is going down. What do you say? Rebel Radio? Oh, wait. Let's do it again. Rebel Radio. Hey, what's up, Rebels? Welcome back to Rebel Radio, the show where every week we talk to the Rebels who are shaping youth culture. We find out why they do it, how they do it, and what you can do to get a little piece of the pie for yourself. We're also the only show that features new music every week from the homies over at EDM.com. Hey, this week I'm coming to you as I speak. I'm looking out of my hotel room over the Hong Kong Harbor. It's amazing out there. I'm, uh, I'm in the middle of a three-week trip I've been in Tokyo, Beijing, Taiwan, Hong Kong. Can't wait to get home next week and share some interviews uh, that I recorded in Beijing with with people that are running the nightlife, uh, the music and art scenes in that city. Some really cool stuff to share with you when I get back. Uh, But this week we have a really one of the smartest interviews I've done in a while. This guy was amazing. Brent Bushnell is my guest today. Uh, Brent is the founder of Two Bit Circus, which is building micro amusement parks. Uh, they're about to launch their first one in Los Angeles in January. And he's uh, really reinventing family entertainment using VR and other technology combined with you know the old familiar uh, you know, entertainment of uh, our childhood and, and before. He, he's going to talk about his journey into the family business. Um, he's got a really famous father who was an innovator in family entertainment. I'll let you find out about that for yourself if you're not familiar with Brent and his story. Uh, he gives us some simple but powerful techniques for hiring people with passion and talks about the company that he's building that's uh, gonna change the face of what your kids are doing. Really good stuff coming up this week on Rebel Radio, right after our EDM.com track of the week.
Yeah, yeah. I'm back. 17, let's go. Yeah. Uh. Okay, okay, okay. Primero. Yeah. Upper middle class, but the fan for the ghetto. Yeah. Cause I'm locked up, cause he did it for the narrow. Yeah. Go and get it, Papa, say you sound with the devil. Hold up. Lot of things change. Really hard to do it for the love when it's pain. Lot of people say what they want, like the yay, but the two hype kids really need to go and play. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. Used to dress like you in 08. I went up two in one day. You really sound like old man. Woo. Yeah. I tell you everything that you know, I'll expose you. Yeah. Watch what you say, young boy, I'll expose you. Yeah. I wanna say your name, people pay for that exposure. Yeah. QQQ till the day really over. Yo, that was Majid with a track called Primero, your EDM.com track of the week. Get over to EDM.com, check out new music, and check out Brent Bushnell here on Rebel Radio. Yeah. I don't give a fuck, you don't fuck Cool, man. Well, thanks for doing this. Oh, dude, it's so happy to be here. Thanks for, thanks for coming up. And I appreciate you having us in this incredible Oh, cool. Yeah, wonderful. You know, it's a, uh, I don't, did I tell you a little bit of the story of this? You know, I mean, it's Please a big uh, uh, old power plant. So yeah. ni- built in 1903, yeah. Edison Electric Company. There's photos of this place literally with nothing for miles. And, and the five is basically a footpath, you know, wow. so it's really fun. To, That's so cool. This, this, this building scene a lot. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. I bet. That's awesome. So. I always like to get into, um, you know, how, how you got, how people got started and where you came from. I'm guessing, you know, all my usual questions kind of go out the window because I'm guessing you had a really unique childhood. <laughs> um, it, it, was, uh, it, was, it was definitely a lot of fun. Yeah. 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 yeah it was, you know, my, my, my dad's big nerd and so he really raised us as nerds yeah. and, and uh, you know, it introduced us to Dungeons and Dragons really early right. and, you know, introduced us to the internet when there was like literally 100 computers on it. I mean, wow. I'll never forget sit, sitting there looking at Mosaic, the, that early uh-huh. web browser, yeah, yeah. And, and he was like, hey, this is the internet, Brent, like, check it out. And I stayed there and I like read the help menu for a little while and yeah. I was like, just what is it? What am I even looking at? You know? Um, and uh, it was also funny. He, he, he trained us a program really early and, right. and we sat there all afternoon. And by the time we were done, a little white dot moved across the screen. Uh-huh. And I was like, dad, I don't think this is for me. You know, like <laughs> that, it was very, this is like punishing, you know, but it was. That's uh, funny. Yeah. So I'll tell you, I, so. Uh, I went to, when I was 10, I went to Camp Calabasas oh, yeah. for summer. It was like a day camp. And this was like a big deal that this is the first year it, they had a computer track. So you could opt in for 9 to 12 was computers and 12 to 3 was, you know, swimming and doing all the regular camp shit. And so I did that and we were on Atari 800s. They wow. had 800s and 400s. <laughs> in the room and the 400, I'm sure you remember like the 400 had the, not virtual keypad, but like, like they weren't like raised keys. Yep. And we'd sit there all day, 
Awesome. Making the screen change colors, <laughs> like writing these really primitive scripts. Well, in the early days, you know, people were asking him, you know, as, as people were plugging this stuff into their TVs, they were like, how do you get the, the, the TV station to change like yeah. that, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it was a concept that you could plug something into your TV and it would locally create that sort right. of, those visuals was really an, an anathema, you know? Yeah. Were you a gamer as a kid, I imagine? Totally. Oh yeah. my God. We loved, loved video games and not just video games, board games, yeah. card games, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, we, we as a family played tons of games, lots of that stuff. Dad's always been obsessed with games, and so sure. we were uh, you know, always exploring a lot of the new stuff, and as a result, played very little Atari, interestingly Is enough. Is that right? Yeah, because he was always bringing home the latest stuff. Right, right. So we'd have, you know, why are we gonna play the old stuff when the brand new Nintendo is here, and the yeah. crazy, hard to get a hold of, you know, Japanese Famicom, and sure, all these sure. different things. We were like, yeah, okay, Atari, whatever. You know, it was really fun course, to have yeah. all the new stuff. Well, the so. rest of us were excited when the, when the new Atari stuff came out. <laughs> um, what was it, was there a favorite game? Was there like the one game that was all about? You know, I, I, we as a family actually have this one game that we all just play a ton of and, and we're super competitive around. It's called Pengo. P-E-N-G-O. Okay. Uh, most people have never even heard of it. Uh, yeah. And it's a little bit like Pac-Man, but you can reconfigure the walls. And okay. uh, and it's just, if for some reason, it just really got under our skin. Yeah. And, and we so we used to have family tournaments and that kind of stuff. So that was a big game. Uh, we, uh, you know, a bunch of my brothers, a bunch of my brothers and, and uh, uh, dad all got obsessed with Magic the Gathering. Okay. So we played that a lot when it first launched, yeah. um, uh, you know, building out our, all our own decks. We got so obsessed with it, we actually made our own version, uh, a sci-fi version. You know, Magic the Gathering was very sort of fantasy. Mm -hmm. uh, we also really liked sci-fi and space and whatnot. So we made a sort of interplanetary version of, 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 uh, of that we called Worlds. Yeah. And we actually licensed it to Topps Baseball Cards. My, my brother Tyler and I missed tons of school, you know, and went to Kinko's, and, uh, you know, printing out our own cards to make uh, delivery deadlines and yeah. and and really had a ball uh, uh, you know both both playing games but also building our own yeah yeah that's um that's that sounds like a lot of fun yeah. fun way to grow up I'm sure <laughs> um, I was listening to a podcast with your dad I think it was how I built this oh yeah um, recently and I mean just a fascinating story uh, you know I particularly loved like he he described launching Chuck E Cheese yep and how like uh, you know, we're kind of what he said is like, we're making all these games, but, yeah. but now we get to build a place where people go well, to play the It games. was literally a go-to-market strategy for the games. Yeah. You know, think like Michelin guides to sell more Michelin tires, right? right? And so for them, the at the time, arcades were CD places. Right. And so if you were Atari, you could get, you know, you can get games in front of 16 and 17 year olds, 15 yeah. year olds, but you know, for a six year old, that was not a place you were gonna, a family was gonna go. And, uh, and so Atari Labs, which was really a prolific part of Atari in terms of just throwing a lot of stuff against the wall, a lot of churn, a lot of experimentation, was literally in a separate building from, mm -hmm. from Atari. Atari was, was, was down in the valley and, and uh, Atari Labs was up in Grass Valley, mm -hmm. uh, Northern California. And so you know, the, that, that creative environment had all sorts of interesting stuff come out of it, including a freaking internet, right? They were working right. on their own dial-up modems to share scores and wow. stuff. But one of the things was, was, was this restaurant. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, dad sells Atari to Warner and they, you know, at the time they, hey, they knew how to sell, uh, you know, records and, and, and the concept of sort of plastic with information on it mm -hmm. that could be replaced in the home made a lot of sense, same mm -hmm. kind of thing. So the cartridges made sense, but they were like, well, this restaurant, we don't, we don't really get it. So dad ended up uh, uh, buying that and, and running it, turning it into to Chuck E. Cheese. And, and the, Amazing. you know, it was that safe family friendly place that was yeah. a go-to-market strategy for the games, but then also, you know, became its own, its, its own right. Sure. 
So were you in the family business from as a kid? Was that like, did, was that your path? Well, so you know, he, dad raised us with kind of one foot in engineering and one foot in entrepreneurship. And okay. he was always very clear with us from a very young age. He was like, listen, I'm not gonna give you any money. You're gonna do this on your own. Like I've watched what happens to kids who are given a lot of things and don't have hardship. Like yeah. I, you know, he was a self-made man, yeah. you know, grew up in, in Utah. His dad died really young. And so yeah. he worked uh, really hard from a very young age. And, and he was, and he expected that of us. And mm -hmm. so he would twist our toes in the morning to get us out of bed, to go weed the garden. And, you know, it was, <laughs> was always sort of pushing us to do stuff, you know, hey, what you go, go sell stuff at the bottom of the driveway, go sell stuff at the, you know, and, 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 you know, we sold mistletoe wrapped in red ribbon at Christmas. We made our own jewelry and sold out in oh, front wow. of the, the supermarket. We, you know, I sold candy bars for my baseball team, sold magazine subscription sales. Like we cool. were always out there pushing stuff. Yeah. Uh, and so he would, um, you know, I have seven siblings, which is a lot of kids, right? And so, yeah. you know, that his, you know, parent, parental attention sort of distributed across seven. You might think, God, oh, did we get any time at all? Sure. And the one thing that was really powerful was he would take us one-on-one -on, -one on trips. Mm. And so we would, he would take us to business meetings and he would take us, and, and this was this very special time with dad to go and one-on-one and, and -on -one travel with him wherever he was going. But, but you would not, not only get the sort of one-on-one -on -one time with him, but you would also go into the meeting and he'd be like, okay, you're not going to say anything, but, mm -hmm. but here's what's, what's, about to happen and here's what I expect to get out of it and and then, then we'd have the breakdown after the oh, meeting here's that. what happened yeah. and and so it was really wonderful to be there on the ground you know a, a, a part of it both getting to spend time with dad but also getting a real window behind the scenes of you know what business was like and what yeah. that meant um, and so we, we we spent time playing games and going exploring new stuff and we spent time you know building business and and, and working on, on you know uh, uh, on our own stuff is, is there a central lesson you think you learned from from that approach to, to parenting? A few, uh, you know, one that, you know, really, really pushing your kids f to, to develop that grit, right? Yeah. You know, dad used to always say, mom is always going to protect you from the world and I'm going to give you doses of how hard it can be, you know, and it's going right. to be little pieces, but you know, dad was sort of the bearer of bad news and mom was always going to be sort of the, the, the good news. Uh, and, and, but he was, you know, it wasn't mean or malicious. It was very much like, Hey, the world's hard and you guys better like shape up, you know, and he used to call us hot house plants, uh, you know, <laughs> and that was such a derogatory term to be hot house plants, you know, so we never wanted to be right. that. Uh, but, but he would, he would really, you know, p push us. So, so I think that was, that was really important, pushing us to, to work all the time, yeah. you know, really, you know, effort tracking with reward, but here, you did a thing. Great. Here's, here's, uh, 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 you know, an allowance for having done that specific mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Here's, uh, 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 you know, um, a, a hard challenge to go after and here's how you can do it you know I was a terrible baseball player but sold you know candy bars for my baseball team yeah. and and he was like okay if you're gonna do this what's your what's your lingo how are you gonna how are you gonna go out and approach somebody at the supermarket you need to have a, have a quick quick button-down thing nice. you're gonna say and yeah. so he really coached us on how to go and do it and then would turn us loose uh, and so one of you know in terms of sort of early business formation something he's always been really um, you know, serious and, and, and strict about is go out and do something today 
don't just like think about what it could be, but, like try something now, to, you know, right this minute. You know, yeah. if you have an idea for a business, it's not enough to just sort of think about it abstractly. What's the smallest, easiest version that you could demonstrate there's an appetite for and prove it today? Don't even build the thing. Build the marketing materials for the thing and yeah. see if you can sell it. And yeah. if you can sell it, then you can go and build it. But but not until you have really engaged is it you know is it worth spending your time on. Sure. And uh, you know and so okay. I think that was always a big thing. So when have you used that? All the time yeah. since then. You know I mean we try and even all of Two Bit Circus has been very much about rapid prototyping mm -hmm. and and coming up with something, building it as fast as possible. And my, you know my co-founder Eric, we'll talk about something in the morning and have a working version in the afternoon. And as soon as That's possible, cool. putting it in front of, of, of either our staff or the public or something to be able to figure out what, what works and what doesn't. And, yeah. and the times when we have not done that and, and have just gotten super excited about something and taken a, a ton of time to build it, only mm -hmm. to put it in front of people and they are like, what is this, you know, has been the disasters, right? right. The stuff where, where we put it in front of people and saw, wow, our premise was wrong. This other thing, the debug mode is super cool. Whatever we were building is a waste, was a waste of time, but mm -hmm. this other thing is super neat. And, and, you know, we've just time and again learned that that, that rapid iteration is invaluable. Yeah. yeah. So, so given that environment and that upbringing, like, was there an aha moment when you realized this is, this is my path? Like, um, you know, when, when did it, when did it kind of officially start for you? Was there yeah, something that triggered that? You know, the, it was really collaborating with my co-founder, Eric, yeah. because, you know, I would say that we, because of dad's approach of, you know, you're going to do this on your own. We all left the nest like, hey, we're really going to do it on our own. Like, I don't even need, I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to go into games and entertainment. That's mm. dad's thing. And so, you know, I worked in fiber optics and DNA synthesis and oh, auto wow. salvage and, you know, ERP systems and all this other stuff. And, 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 and really ca cast a wide net on sort of what it was I was going to work on. And, and, and uh, it was really only when... Eric and I started collaborating. At first, we were just making interactive art for fun that we mm -hmm. would take to parties, and mm -hmm. and then all and then the art turned into games. And all of a sudden, I was like, "Oh my God, what the hell have I been doing? I know so much about games. I love this space so much. Like, why aren't I? Why am I not working in this?" Yeah. But it, but it really it took sort of, you know, kind of a 15-year path to wow. figure out like, hey. It's okay to still work in that stuff, you mm -hmm. know. Like I, I sort of had successes elsewhere and was able to come back in and and, and enjoy it. Yeah, sure. Um, and and what what was the first hit like when? So you say like all of a sudden like this is working. What was that? Um, you know, it wasn't a so it wasn't a hit, but it was something that was, a, you know, really. A ton of fun you know have you done an escape room have you yeah. heard about those okay yeah, so yeah. we got obsessed with this category of entertainment in like 2010 maybe okay and so it hadn't you didn't even really have a term yet escape rooms weren't a thing but we were we wanted a live-action adventure mm. where we were the character right more like like Michael Douglas in the game than controlling a video game with your thumbs mm -hmm. we wanted to be the character and, and 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 what happens when you are the character is you use all your faculties not just your hand-eye coordination controlling a video game right. but you're you might need to be flexible you might need to know you know about Chinese history you might need to know a bunch of different things and so we made a spy adventure mm. that, that overlaid on top of this whole complex that we're in right now. And over the course of it, you had to 
get across a room of laser beams. You had to do a game of observation with this huge gigapixel image. You had to drive really fast in a, in a, in a, in a, in a driving simulator. Yeah. Uh, we had our girlfriends at the time, uh, we filmed them as these Charlie's Angels, you know, spy <laughs> uh, 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 people, because you were basically trying out to be a part of their spy club. Cool. Uh, and so it was video production, it was, it was game design, it was, you know, experience design. It sort yeah. of touched a lot of domains. And, and, and as a part of that, we were working with a seamstress and a video game designer. And a, and, a, and a mechanical engineer, and we were doing all you know all the infrastructure, and so it was it, here was this thing that there was no template for. We were mm -hmm. just sort of building this, connecting as many different parts as we could, and you know it was uh, you know super labor intensive, really low throughput, yeah. all sorts of reasons yeah, yeah. why this shouldn't work as a business. But it was a ton of fun, yeah. and and so that was for me an early moment where it was like, wow, this could be a thing, and and we on the back of that. I actually went out to try to raise money. It was the first time I was trying to raise money and mm. and it was all but sort of like laughed out of the room, you know, location-based entertainment. What are you talking about? Like we, we investors, we invest in the internet. Right. And and so you know and 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 they were right. We were we weren't ready to mm -hmm. to to take money or turn that into a huge business. But we but that space, the kernel of that, has been something that, that we've sort of danced with ever since, you know, for going on 10 years. And, and now with, with our micro amusement park, it's really the culmination of so many projects, including that one. Yeah. And, and we are finally ready, you know, and I think at the same time that the appetite from consumers is ready, they want immersive entertainment. And so I'm, I'm really quite excited about yeah, that. Yeah, so can you talk about the, the amusement park? Sure. How much uh, can you tell us? Well, so we, you know, as a company, Eric and I knew we wanted to play with new technology and, and immersive entertainment, public attractions, yeah. but not enough that we knew you know, how it was going to monetize in the beginning, and so we just did a lot of consulting work. Worked with brands building attractions to help Samsung tell their story about Gear VR, and mm -hmm. Dave and Buster's do stuff, you know, new, new kinds of attractions in their, their places, and Warner Brothers and whatever. So we did lots of those kinds of attractions, and, and we, were, we were building that stuff to put them inside of, of CES and Comic-Con and South okay. by Southwest, and that was all really fun and interesting, and we build the thing, and we install it, and we, we run it for all the week of South by Southwest, but there was this, always this frustration where we've set this thing up, you know, we've built it for six months, we install it for, for, for the week, and then when the conference is over, where does that thing go, right? Mm -hmm. it, it takes physical space. It's now going to have to go to an, uh, you know, a warehouse or worse, in the trash. Right. And, and so that was always a frustration for us. And, and so this amusement park, this what we call a micro amusement park, because it's small for an amusement park, but huge for a retail complex. I mean, this mm -hmm. thing's 50,000 square feet. Oh, wow. Um, uh, we're putting right in the middle of downtown LA, okay. and it's really a, a place for those kinds of attractions that, 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 that immersive entertainment that doesn't have a home somewhere else. And when I think about entertainment, there is passive entertainment, movies and theater and mm -hmm. books, and there's interactive entertainment. Mm -hmm. You know, video games is maybe the one we're the most, you know, close to, but, but immersive theater is a, is a domain that's really growing. Yeah. Virtual reality is getting really interesting. Uh, augmented reality is coming. Escape rooms are another great example of, of immersive entertainment. And all of that whole category for me, you know, sits inside of this other you know this this interactive entertainment, this immersive entertainment that that requires more than just your your, mm -hmm. your ability to use your thumbs, uh, and so we're this this is a platform for that stuff. Yeah. yeah.
So we open early next year and uh, we're, we're hard at work. You, you know, you can probably hear the grinding and welding going on behind sure. us. So hopefully it doesn't screw the audio quality. Uh, <laughs> right. But uh, you know, there's so much stuff getting built right now and, and yeah. uh, we're building a lot of it. We're also working with a bunch of partners to showcase sure. stuff. And yeah. um, uh, LA is a template that we're going to take all over the place. That's exciting. I mean, it's exciting because, you know, I mean, everything, you know, most of what you hear about is, is um, digital, right? Is, is, you know, obviously video games exploded, the internet. Now, um, you know, these, we've seen these companies, you know, come out of nowhere and now reach a billion people. And so, yeah. you know, every time I'm meeting with, with marketers or with media people, or, like it's always about scale. Yep. Yep. And a lot of them have heard me say that I think that that focus is a mistake. I love be, that you say that. Yeah, they don't like it. You're right. <laughs> but I don't care, right? Yeah. But, but, you know, there's this, like, there's this assumption that anything you build needs to be, you know, at such a huge global scale. Yep, yep. And, you know, I think there's, um, that misses something. I, I completely agree. And, and there are sort of two things thoughts around that. One is content radiates out from live. Sure. And so live experience might be the, the, the least scalable one, but it's the, you know, the, the, the things that happen while you're physically there and then you share it on your Instagram and whatever, you know, there's this concept one nine ninety, mm -hmm. you know, there's the 1% that might be able to be there and be, be a part of the action. And then there's 9% that follow that, that, that 1% and really care about, you know, all the things that they're saying and doing. And then a 90% that's the sort of general consumer that are going to be peripherally aware of the thing. But the, yeah. that sort of radiate is, is, you know, radiation is really, really interesting. I love that. And then the other piece is, you know, it's it, that scale, we need to sort of moderate that scale conversation with, with the, the amount of immersion. Mm -hmm. Great. I can put up a banner ad and touch five billion people right. for a femtosecond, right. right? You have your attention for, you know, it's so short. It's, you know, it's not going to yeah. change much of your, your, your life trajectory. Right. But an entire day, 10 hours inside of Disneyland, mm -hmm. you know, being able to have read Harry Potter and then go to Harry Potter World and, 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 and just be surrounded by that, by that IP yeah. and drink butterbeer and, and wear the cape and walk down Diagon Alley. You know that's immersion. You mm -hmm. know, and that's that's that is a memory that you can that, that will be permanent in your brain of that time with your family and that time you were Harry Potter. That's such a so much more permanent than that banner ad. Yeah, sure, the banner ad's super scalable, but but that immersive thing will be absolutely indelible in your mind for life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love it. I, I love it, and I love you know you're sort of bridging generations, right? When we think of circus, we think of you know Barnum and Bailey. Yeah. You know, we think of carnivals, we think of like, you know, Boardwalk Empire days, yeah. right? Grungy, you know, the, 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 that, that sort of old carny. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And yet, you know, what you're building is very technology driven. It's very forward thinking. And I, mm -hmm. and I think that's, um, you know, it's a fascinating idea, you know, of like, um, there was there's pieces of the culture of our past that need to be 
that, that still have value for people. Yep. And, and yep. right. And how do we integrate that into a modern yeah. experience? You know, people are are aware of circus and carnival. You know, yeah. maybe you know younger kids have never been to one. Right. Barnum and Bailey's closing down, and, yeah. and you know, but but they they still exist in media, and people sure. sort of have this peripheral awareness of it. And and if you think about circus over the ages, you know, it's been about a showcase and celebration of human capacity. Mm -hmm. And in the early days, it was it was horse horse shows, and, mm -hmm. and wow, look at how we how well we can you know perform on top of these horses and then it was hey look at how how much we can control animals wild animals i can put my head inside this lion's right. mouth i can get this elephant to dance around you know that w w this was sort of the height of our capability sure and and then you know uh, uh cirque du soleil said hey you know this whole animal rights thing is important like maybe this whole animal stuff is not the good idea but yeah. but humans are amazing and look yeah. at how flexible they are and how strong they are and how much you know the the incredible capacity of humans and they turn that into a beautiful show yeah. and 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 we have that same feeling and ethos right humans are incredible and now we are can, you know are augmented by all this amazing technology how can what what sort of new three rings can we showcase all the cool things that are happening out there and uh, you know and be and be a venue for that futuristic entertainment be a place that that you can do it I don't know if you ever read night circus but no. I just uh, love this book and and you know they have all these little tents that you wander around into with all these just absolutely magical experiences people want that that whimsy that mystery and yeah. and and a way to get hands-on with with um, you know all this new magical stuff that's in a so way cool. that's not best buy frankly mm -hmm. you know I mean like mm -hmm. what, there's there's a there's a fun way to to, to, to showcase this stuff and, yeah. and you know ideally it'd be with your friends and family and you know you get to have food and beverage around it and, yeah absolutely you know, make a real experience so what kind of company does it take to build that future like how much how how do you think about the company culture yeah and, and, you know, how would you describe the, the culture here? You know, it, it's, it's a, a, a wild thing because I think, you know, you, you, you talk to entrepreneurs and, and, and oftentimes people will say, hey, they were lucky, you know, and I, you know, I, I feel that way. Mm. Uh, we were wrong for a lot of, for a long time. You know, we built a whole GPS enabled smartphone game long before Pokemon Go. and. It didn't work, yeah. <laughs> you know. We yeah. built that that escape room thing long before escape rooms, and it didn't work, you know. Yeah. Uh, and 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 we, you know, so almost like a broken watch, you know. We've just sort of always thought immersive entertainment was awesome, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden our timing was right. Mm -hmm. uh, but I I really feel like, you know, like I I I couldn't describe the path to create Tubit. It like found us, mm -hmm. and and we we. And our timing was right, and we just sort of did the thing that we were passionate about until it worked. Yeah. Uh, and and so it's almost it's a little disingenuous to be to to have like a a a, a clear pathway because we really were lucky. But mm -hmm. I think the thing that 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 entrepreneurs do is sort of create their own luck, right? It's a lot about like your times at bat. How many times do you keep doing it? And you failed 99 times and you just keep doing it until something works. And mm -hmm. You don't know which of the ones are gonna work and you ask any movie executives like, why'd you spend all that money on that movie that failed? They don't know which ones are gonna fail, right? right. They gotta throw a lot against the wall and then sure. hopefully one of them is gonna work. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you, you know, I feel like that's very much at the, at the root of this. And so, you know, for us, we, um, 
you know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm so thankful that we finally found some things that really have worked. And, and, uh, and so that's been really exciting. And so I think in, in our culture, um, you know, that, that as we talked about before, experimentation and trying lots of mm -hmm. stuff has been very paramount. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, we, we like to play. We're, we're we, I, I, you know, I like to think of us as a playful company and, and, and one that, uh, uh, you know, embraces whimsy and, 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 and a little bit of ridiculousness. And, and, and so that permeates. We actually just had our Halloween uh, fashion show yesterday. Oh, cool. And, you know, we had all sorts of cool stuff. There was a, yeah. a prize for most innovative cardboard thing. And, and, and you know, f five of them built these cardboard cartridges Nintendo cartridges and they were the cartridge family <laughs> but you know there was just such wonderful creativity and you know we made sure to take a half a day to, to, cool. to celebrate Halloween and enjoy that stuff and so I, yeah. I, I you know I, I definitely I think all that stuff is, is, is definitely part of our, our corporate culture so you have I think a pretty big vision and you seem like a um, you seem like a uh, an impassioned leader mm. right um, how do you decide when to drive that and when to kind of give people uh, the reins? Yeah, you know, that's such a hard question to answer. Uh, and I think that any, you know, every company has to wrestle with this in that the things that make for creativity and innovation are almost completely diametrically opposed to structure and process and right. the things that sort of allow for big scale. Yeah. And, and the ones that go too far in one direction you know, fail. Mm -hmm. And so if you are too structured and processed, you, 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 you have a hard time innovating. If you're too creativity and, and innovative, you have a hard time scaling yeah. and, 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 and staying around. And so that balance is, is constantly a difficult one. You know, I would say for me, uh, I really love finding, you know, at, at the very beginning of a company, when there's just a handful of people, you have all the hats on all the different hats from accounting to legal to business development to product and everything. Yeah. And one thing I just absolutely love is finding someone that can that I can give one of those hats to that does it better than me, mm -hmm. you know? And, and we, the day we brought on a controller, I was ecstatic, you know, because I'm terrible at that, you sure. know? And so yeah. this is something that was like incredible to now have someone who's in, who has done that and loves it and is, and is great at it, yeah. you know, to be able to, 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 to empower them to do what they're, they're great at. And so I think for, for, you know, for us, as we've grown to be able to bring on people who, who, you know, do that, that work and can bring that process, but still have some of that two bit ethos has been important. A big question for us in the interview process is, what do you do on the weekends? Mm -hmm. You know, like, what are you passionate about? And, and there's this wonderful uh, uh, phrase I heard called uncorrelated characteristics. Okay. And so we're always looking for people who, you know, hey, you might be one of the most incredible controllers day to day, sure. but you also are a, just awesome at fly fishing, or you love to write poetry, or you are, a, you know, an incredible car maker, mechanic on the side. Whatever it is, demonstration of passion in something, mm -hmm. right? Oh my God, you're mm -hmm. ranked, you know, Eric's literally a world ranking whistler. <laughs> you wouldn't know that if wow. you, you know, the first yeah. time, but he's also a, a freaking incredible roboticist. Yeah. But, but, you know, uncorrelated characteristics demonstrate, you know, a, a, a passion for something, mm -hmm. right? If you have the capacity for passion in anything, maybe you can bring a slice of that to, to, to here. Uh, uh, but then also, it, you know, uncorrelated characteristics says you have your feet in, a, in, in multiple domains yeah. and, and, you know, creativity really comes from the intersection of domains. Mm -hmm. and, and oftentimes, the more that you can have, you know, people that have a broad background and have touched lots of different things, they have a lot of sort of creative fodder. There's a lot of capacity for stuff that they can draw on when yeah. it comes time to do something creative. So, yeah. a couple of ideas. Yeah. Can you think of somebody that you hired 
or that sorry that w- that you looked that was qualified yep but that you saw that the culture fit wasn't going to be there definitely um you know and i think that's especially as you grow as a company and there's more people to talk to more people to interact with you know no matter what role you're in your capacity to interact with people is very important mm-hmm. and i think this is something that our school system really doesn't do a great job of is sure. that yeah we might do really wonderfully on getting you to, to to a score for your acts and your sats and your you know whatever but but that eq your your emotional quotient of being able to empathize with someone and convey a message to them yeah. is is very important and we have met people who are off the charts brilliant and crush all of those tests and their iq is tremendous and their EQ is terrible. And so the, the, the challenge becomes, hey, great, you can do this job, you, you can do the, the technical, the, the quantitative part of this job you can knock out of the park. Mm-hmm. The qualitative part, the part that allows you to interact with everybody else in this company and maybe our customers and, and whatever, all, the, all those other pieces, if those aren't there too, it's not gonna work, you know? So is it hard to resist the temptation to hire those people anyway because you need a job done and they can do it? Totally, yeah. totally. And you, and sometimes if you can come up with a structure that, that insulates them or you, know, you, 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 can, you can hand ring and figure out ways to, to pull it off. But, sure. but for the most part, looking for, for, for folks that can hit both those is really yeah. important. So um, what you're doing is not easy. Like wait, this is a, this is a big hill to climb. <laughs> Um, Tell me about it. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure I'm not <laughs> breaking any news to you. I'm sorry if I burst your bubble. Oh just no! Now. Wait, are you serious? <laughs> Shit! I gotta get. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's uh, my my pep talk for the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a motivational speaker <laughs> yeah, on the yeah, side. On the side and I, good. I know that. Um, have you ever? Have there been times when you've questioned the mission? Man, you know, uh, we did so so. You know, I mentioned we'd done a lot of consulting for a long time, and then we said, hey, you know, we don't want to just be a consultancy. We want to make our own IP. We want to go direct to consumer. And, yeah. and our first big test of that was this huge carnival. We had a huge traveling carnival. Right. Steam carnival. Steam carnival. Yeah, yeah. We launched it on Kickstarter, and oh my God, you know, the, 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 the first sort of validation that people wanted this happened, right? We got a ton of visibility. We were in time in USA Today and on mm-hmm. the Discovery Channel, and oh my gosh, yes. And we did two of them. We did one in LA, and we did one in San Francisco. And you know, we, you know, it took a year of planning and fundraising and sponsorship and you know, partner relations and all of this stuff. And we built all the things and we set it up for 10 days and then we operated it for three days you know, over mm-hmm. that weekend. And it was absolutely exhausting. And so on the one side, there was all of this excitement and we were sold out every day and all this media coverage and people loved it. And on the other side, it literally took the company 30 days to recover, yeah. like we literally all practically died, and yeah. this place was a was a was a morgue for 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 a month, and 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 that's not sustainable. And mm-hmm. and by the end of the second, you know, we went into the second one, thinking we're going to tour this across the country. Oh my God, it's going to be amazing. And we left the second one being like, no, like we're going to die if we do it again. Yeah. We can't do this again. Yeah. And and that was really heartbreaking. Yeah, I huge. actually the day we made that decision, I cried yeah. because I had poured so much of my life energy into mm-hmm. this thing and had, the whole team had poured their life energy into it. I'd been out there yelling from the rooftops how amazing it would be and had talked to every single person I could and had, and had spoken with brands and partners and media and everything and it just had, been, had, had, had sold this vision. And, to, and, and you, get to, you, you believe it, right? You, 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 as the entrepreneur, have to believe it first before you can sell partners, before you sure. can sell employees, before you can sell anybody. 
and and to to come back from that and be like no it's not the right format you know and and to really embrace that and realize it and 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 then figure out how to reposition was cr like absolutely crushing um and what did you um what did you rely on to, to pull you through that to get out of it uh you know i i've got a great board of advisors, which mm -hmm. I think everybody on the planet should have. Yeah. And we, we maybe another term is just mentors. Yeah. But but, you know, I think, you know, everybody should have a group of people that they feel like they can turn to to talk, you know, ask for advice and, and to, as a sounding board. And, yeah. and ideally, the more diverse that group is, the better. You know, they come from all walks of life. And so I made sure to, you know, so I had a lot of conversations with those folks. Um, was it, was there, a, was there a, a one nugget of wisdom that stands out? Um, gosh, you know, thinking back to it, you know, I mean, I think that really, th you know, thinking about what, what would scale look like, you know, yeah. we were really, uh, you know, we had, we had sort of convinced ourselves that we had a scalable thing and, and it wasn't yet, mm -hmm. you know, uh, so really figuring out what that was, um, uh, you know, travel, I really love taking some taking time to go and 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 get creative inspiration just from seeing yeah. the world and what else is going on and yeah. and so those 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 two things were 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 super important and it and 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 you know I'm really thankful for that whole process sure. a we learned a ton and the, and the carnival was a wonderful test uh, beautifully it it lives on we actually merged the whole program with a nonprofit oh, they cool. became the two-bit circus foundation yeah. and you know as a for-profit we threw two carnivals since then they've thrown six or seven the mm -hmm. second the, the the last one just happened in Dallas a week ago, nice. and 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 the format is has, has found its 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 place and is now a complete replacement for the science fair. Right. Kids get to learn STEM and STEAM, building their own games, and then learn uh, uh, business throwing their own carnival. So it's cool. more exciting than a science oh, fair, awesome. and it's great, you know. Yeah. And and so a so so out of this one thing, two things happened. That nonprofit is now running, and the, and our amusement park is happening. So mm -hmm. in the, on on the balance. Thank God, you know, I'm so I'm so grateful that that we went through that process. Yeah. Freaking was terrible at the time, you know, it totally <laughs> sucked. But it really, you know, that 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 scar tissue and that experience yeah. never could have happened otherwise. And and I think going back to what we talked about earlier, we didn't go into this saying we're going to build an amusement park, right? We went into it building a carnival, and and out yeah. of it and that learning w landed us where we where we are. And so back to the early recommendation from my dad around just like get out there, try something immediately. You know, what you you learn so much from having engaged that you you uh, you know it, it really sets you on your path. I mean, yeah. In fact, one of my easiest, best, favorite examples of this is you ever, you know the game Bop It, the toy Bop yeah. It. That toy designer, awesome guy up in San Francisco set out to make a more fun remote control for his TV. Mm -hmm. And nobody cared, nobody wanted it, you know. Mm -hmm. And and after a little while he was like, actually what if this was just a toy? You know, but it took countless yeah. rejection for this for this re remote control idea before it was landed as a toy and then yeah. became super successful toy, you know. Yeah. So 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 what is the thing I'm sure there must have been a lot, but as you as you launch now the, the amusement business right what how do you how do you not kill yourselves like what'd you take from that last thing mm, yeah. that, that how do you approach this one differently oh boy i don't <laughs> actually know if i've solved that okay. one yet <laughs> <All right. laughs> All right. well. uh, you know i will say you know i got married uh, yeah. this year which has been great nice. and i and and you know the time that i have with my wife is is such sacred 
re restorative time, you know, I find. And so that has been, that, that, that's definitely been helpful. I think, for, you know, for the team, we have more structure than we've ever had before. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that structure comes with timelines and, and much more clarity than we had before. You know, um, uh, when we were building the carnival, A, nobody knew what a steam carnival was, including us, right? We were just right. put, pulling it all together. And so the, um, you know, we were, we were through brute force and our, and, and, and our bodies, you know, in the breach, able to, to, to build the thing. And mm -hmm. I think we brought on enough people with experience building attractions and, and uh, you know, building amusement parks that we have a little more visibility into the process and, and can, you know, be a little more thoughtful, right? Work smart, not hard. Right. Uh, and so that's been helpful, but I will say, we haven't figured it out. Sure. Like it's still freaking absolutely a total slog. And yeah, I was yeah, here this sure. weekend, this last weekend, I'll be here this weekend. And course, you know, yeah. it definitely is uh, a work in progress. Yeah. It's one of those things that, you know, there's things like riding a bike that you just learn once and you never forget. And then there's things like going to the gym and eating healthy that are just an active practice. You have to learn For over and sure, over. For sure, this is one of those you have to learn over and over. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I think it, it forces you into a different frame of mind, right? Because once you open, you stay open. Right? Yeah. You, uh, you got to operate the day after and the day after and, you uh, know. You know, and I, I really can't wait for that because I, you know, if we feel, I feel right now so sort of untethered from the, the metrics of, you know, of staying open and seeing what works and what doesn't work. And are we, you know, did, did people respond to that campaign or not respond? Like, are, yeah. are, is it, you know, is it working or not? And, and while we've been building the park and all the, all the stuff inside it, we've been really untethered from, from that connectivity. And I love that, that connectivity. Yeah. Um, and so I, I really am ecstatic to get over. Yo, if you're liking all this technology talk, let's go back in the Rebel Radio archives. My man, AJ Burtonshaw, who's the founder and CEO of Serato, which is the most ubiquitous DJ software technology. Uh, he's got some great stories about how he's, he's built that company into a real powerhouse. Go to iTunes, Rebel Radio, or find us on SoundCloud and you can listen to that one. But of course, finish up here with Brent Bushnell. So you talk, I know you've done a lot of work with brands and you know, We've seen like the big, when we think of amusement parks, you know, we think of Disney, we think of Harry Potter world, yep. right? They're, they're very IP driven. Yep. Um, well, uh, many of them, you know, the, the, if we want to nerd out on it, there's a difference between a theme park and right. an amusement park. Sure. And a theme park, you described Disneyland, Universal Studios, very IP driven, themed. Yeah. Amusement parks oftentimes can be the, the more- So like Six Flags. Six Flags, a great right. example. Now, those, got, those are all adding more theming and, and, and we will have theming in ours as well. Uh, I, you know, I've, 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 we sort of started with micro amusement park to sort of set expectation lower. Mm -hmm. I would love to aspirationally get to micro theme park. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're not there yet, Got it. Uh, uh, but you know there hasn't been a new amusement park, new new theme park built in America in 20 years. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's huge, right, acres and acres of space, sure. and so for us, you know, micro was not an accidental ad addition, right? This is something it's small for an amusement park, but still huge for a retail complex. So this yeah. could be a new anchor tenant for a mall, yeah. uh, and uh, but we feel like this size is right to be able to put into every major metro in the in the U.S. So I was wondering, like, you know, what is it like brands? are struggling to capture people's attention. Yeah. Right? And, um, and you know, you, you go talk to any brand and the themes of storytelling come up and engagement. Yeah, immersive, experiential, all, all of these buzz right? terms, yeah. And so, what do brands not know that they need to know 
hmm. about that? You know, I think that, you know, at, at the end of the day, we, you know, we like, we like story, we relate to story, we have for, for, for millennia, um, you know, and the, you know, to have that authentic bond, memories are made more permanent the more of your senses that are involved. Mm. Not only that, if you can tie some emotion there, even more permanent. And, and what's a brand looking for, right? They want to be lodged in your brain. They want to be lodged in your consciousness. So that the time that you go to buy shoes, you're buying one over the other. By the time you go to buy napkins, you're buying one over the other. And, and so the, the, they're, you know, they're looking to, to be implanted in your brain. And so the thing that's so powerful about immersion over the banner ad is, is that's you know, much more likely to be lodged in your brain. So the more senses of yours that I can engage, the more that there could be some, any emotion, you know, happiness, sadness, you know, uh, 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 even fear, you know, those things all are gonna make this so, so much more permanent. And yeah. so the more that, 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 that a brand can, can you know, tap into all of those aspects, you know, the more that they're gonna be you know, part of your lasting memory. I, I mean, I, literally on the way here, I was on a call with a brand telling me that, you know, awareness is their big metric for this campaign. And they were talking about how many people viewed their Facebook ad. Yeah. And I, I just had to say to them, that's not awareness. That's not awareness. Right. You're missing yeah. all of the other sense. I literally said those words, you're missing all the other senses yeah. <laughs> which, which, that it takes to create awareness because it's a, it's a microsecond yeah. of attention that people paid it, and it's just not enough. It's just not sufficient, you know, and, and, it, and it could be one part, right? That, 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 yes. that Facebook thing could be sure. one piece sure. tied to a bunch of other stuff, but, yeah. it, but that alone is so, and, and it's so misleading. And I think that a lot of the way that, that scale is portrayed and, and, and the way that, you know, you know, people talk about impact of, of number of impressions and all that, that stuff's good, but, it's, but it, does, it can't stand alone. It's not you the know? whole story. It's not the whole story. And, and it really can be misleading because yeah, sure. Oh my gosh, you know, a hundred people, a thousand people saw your thing live, but those were the, those are the thousand that might be your, your new evangelists, mm -hmm. right? Those are the new, mm -hmm. those are the group, that's the group that you've got for life. You yeah. know, I mean, I think about, I'm a, I'm such a loyal when a brand gets, get, you know, when I get close to a brand, I've used the exact same old spice deodorant since I was 14, <laughs> you know, right. like, sure. like, yeah. there's certain things that are just mine for, for, for good. Yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. All right, I have to get to a lighting, lightning round before, oh, yeah, we, all right, uh, all right, cool. before we let you go. <laughs> um, oh, I always do, James gets mad at me because I always do this. Um, but there's one more question before oh, yeah, we get yeah, to yeah. that. You have a, uh, I saw a quote from you saying, most people are antisocial. Hmm. What does that mean? Uh, so yeah, that, I'm so glad to add more context to that. I wonder where I, where that showed up, because <laughs> because I think that in in general humans are very social. Yes, we are social in our core, right? We love you know about community and 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 you know have have been based on that for time immemorial. Uh, I think that we are part of a world that is increasingly antisocial and and the illusion of of being on a social network and being social that's not full social right, right. to our earlier thing it's yeah. not using all the senses right it's using just a, a, you know a handful of them yeah. and so it's one way to interact and yay thank thank gosh you know for it we can there's so many different ways in which I, I keep in touch with my friends because of all the technology we have but at the same time the the op those opportunities to be real real and social in person are you know 
are, are things you really have to make a point to do. And so I think that, the, that a lot of our technology is increasingly isolating, even if we are, you know, you can be connected to a thousand friends, but, but you're maybe not seeing them in person. And, yeah. I, and I really think that, that that's a piece that we are, are trying to attack is, is getting people back together in person, you know, so that they can be reminded what it's like to be social and, sure. and, and you know, and, and playing together again. That's cool. Yeah. Okay. Tell me one decision that changed your life forever. Oh man. Um, one decision that changed my life forever. Um, oh, well, I guess we can edit out this yeah, silence. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, take shit. your time. We'll, we'll get there. I want that to be good. <laughs> it doesn't, it could be, that, you know, we make lots of mundane decisions that end up somewhere. Um, building things making things making stuff making yeah. anything you know the, the decision to create is so life changing and and the second that you and it does, I don't care what you build build something and it is so rewarding and when you are building whether it is a birthday card for your grandma making that not buying that mm. you know a uh, a, a, a gift for a friend, a, a an, an experience you want to provide your, you know, um, your parents. You know, the more build something, yeah. and and that is a really, you know, to go from being consumer to creator, is something I wish on anybody. I gotta tell you, I'm so glad I did not let you pass on that question because <laughs> I thought about it. I'm like, let, let me let him off the hook. But that's a fantastic answer. Oh, um, and I, and you know, I have an eight-year-old son who um, just recently needed his third bike. He's a, to the 20-inch bike, and I decided we're gonna build it. Nice. And so we went and bought a, a shitty old frame. Awesome. And sandblasted it, and we started really from just scratch. Incredible. And he loves he, that bike. He probably loves that bike yeah. like he never would if you guys had gone yeah. and bought it off the shelf and you know whatever. Totally. That is his thing for life, yeah. you know? And that is a really and 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 even af well after it has fallen apart. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. It'll sure. be his, yeah. you know, and it'll be in his brain as as a thing that was, you know, you know, as something that, that he brought into this world. Yeah. And that is, you know, I, I built it. my first computer, you know, not my first computer, I built one of my early computers. And, you know, hey, what does that mean? Did, did I, you know, uh, uh, mine silicon? And, you know, <laughs> no, I, you know, I assembled a bunch of components. Right. But, but even that level of, you know. But of, it's of, way different than putting it in your Amazon cart and yes, having it show up tomorrow. Exactly. And all the parts arrived and some of them were wrong and I had to get different ones and all of this cool. stuff happened. And when I, by the time it was done, that computer was mine, yeah. you know. That's so and, cool. And that was something. Okay, complete this sentence. I don't have talent, I have blank. Enthusiasm. So if I worked here, what's something I would hear you say over and over? <laughs> the two-bit pitch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I feel like sometimes anybody in this place could probably give the tour that yeah. I give. That's good. Yeah. That's what you uh, want. Um, who would you be most excited to learn as a fan of your work? 
Oh, man. Uh, Walt Disney. Mm -hmm. That's cool. I know you mentioned travel earlier. What's your favorite city to travel to? Oh, God. So I, so I'm, yeah, I'm obsessed with travel. I absolutely yeah, love Shanghai. So Shanghai uh, is incredible. You know, I, I mean, it, it is old world meets new world. Every time I'm back there, there's some crazy new huge thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, it's got all the old French colonial architecture on, the, on, on uh, uh, you know, in, in the West. And it's got all the sort of crazy new, mm -hmm. you know, high tech in the East. And, and you know, I love Chinese food. I, I, uh, I love Chinese culture. Mm -hmm. You know, that city is incredible. Uh, I love Copenhagen. Mm. Uh, you know, I've been obsessed Me with circus too. and carnival since I was little. And yeah. Tivoli Gardens, if you've been, yeah, is yeah. wonderful. We just went community. this summer for the oh, first so, time. It was yeah, awesome. It's yeah. such a, a really cool place. Yeah. So those two I really love a lot. Is there a book that's had, you think, the biggest impact on you? Or maybe the most most recent one. Uh, you, you know, there's a, a, there, there was a bunch that popped to mind. Uh, Paul Graham as an author is amazing. Mm. He is, you know, he was, uh, you know, if, you, if you're familiar with Y Combinator, right, he started that. Before that, he did what ultimately became Yahoo Store, mm -hmm. uh, but is an incredible, in addition to doing those amazing things, is an incredible author. Mm. Uh, and he has um, a book, Hackers and Painters, that's gorgeous. But all of his essays, I, I recommend reading. Oh, cool. He's a really incredible author. Uh, so it. I really love Paul Graham. Um, uh, I, you know, I, I finished relatively recently Servant Leadership. Mm, um, yeah. uh, the Servant is, yeah. is just an incredible book. And, and, and that whole concept, you know, I think particularly now as, as, you know, what leadership is, is really drawn into question of sort of what, what is a good leader and what is a bad leader. Sure. Um, I, I think servant leadership is something I would love for anybody who leads anyone yeah. on the planet yeah. to read is, is a really great book. Um, and then I mentioned earlier Night Circus, uh -huh. which is total fun and whimsical cool. and gorgeous. I got to check all those out, actually. Um, uh, what movie do you think you've seen the most in your life? Oh man! Uh, so I love the movie Big Fish. Uh, you know, okay. I think you know. I, again, I'm obsessed with circus and carnival. It's also a wonderful narrative around you know a, a father-son relationship that that I think is really special. Um, what else have I seen a lot? I've really watched Blade Runner a lot. I was so excited to see the recent one. I'm crushed that it didn't do well in the box office because it's a gorgeous movie. Yeah. It's really incredible. Maybe still in streaming. Maybe, uh, yeah, maybe in the long tail, but yeah. man, it's just so good. And mm. the set design and all the thoughtfulness, mm -hmm. it's just incredible. Uh, so I really loved that. Um, and for some reason, you know, it, it, I, this, this sort of doesn't track with, with, I think, your intent of the question, but I've seen Terminator 2 so many times, but it's not that it's necessarily no, that's, my favorite. But, but, but it, we get a lot of those, like, it it's a, not my favorite, but I keep seeing uh, yeah, it anyway. It was like, I think it, got, it came out at a time in life yeah. when, you know, uh, it, it was like one of the early VHS tapes that I owned myself. It was like I actually owned it as opposed to, you know, it's right. somebody else's. And, sure. and it was, for some reason, I ended up seeing that a lot. No, all, all, none of my favorite movies are the ones I've seen the most. You're right. Absolutely. Yeah, for some that's, that's how it works. Yeah. Um, favorite band or DJ? Oh, man. I love Caravan Palace so much. Caravan cool. Palace is, you know, if I, if I had one wish to, to be able to collaborate with a, with a, with a band for our park, it would be Caravan Palace. Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I want to do something with them so badly. So okay. I just love, love, love them a lot. That's cool. Um, um, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> and so how does everyone find out about... Uh, 
about uh, 2-Bit Circus? So 2BitCircus.com, yeah. uh, you know, I would say the best thing is we've got our we've got a, a newsletter that cool. is where the earliest access to stuff happens. Uh, nice. Our amusement park, micro amusement park opens in downtown LA uh, early next year. Newsletter will be the first to know. Awesome. Um, and then, you know, we've got, we're, we're on the Twitters and, uh, you know, I put stuff out on, on, on uh, at, at Brent Bushnell, uh, all one word, cool. uh, pretty regularly. And, awesome. and uh, we just can't wait to, to, to bring people down and have some fun. Killer. Thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, hey, Josh, awesome. thank you so much. This has been really fun. fun and wonderful. Yeah, we really pleasure. appreciate it. Right on. Yo, that was Brent Bushnell, Rebel Radio. I hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. Uh, make sure you watch for the launch of 2-Bit Circus when it comes next year. And make sure you stay in touch with Rebel Radio. Hit us with some comments on Twitter at Rebel Radio Net. Find us on Facebook. Check out our YouTube page. Leave us a review on iTunes. Do whatever you feel like, but make sure you come back next week for more Rebel Radio. Peace.